Pastor Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective. On the programme this week... If we're going to create a successful future for the hospitality sector and there is no reason at all why it's beyond us to do so, there are opportunities emerging that we've got to pick up. However, our accommodation sector has fallen behind the constantly accelerating quality standards that are emerging right round UK. So how do we resuscitate, revitalise and reimagine the tourism industry on the Isle of Man? A Timwald committee set out to gather evidence about how the sector might look or could look in the future. Spearheaded by former hotelier Chris Robert Shaw, MHK, it's looking to bring a report to the November sitting of Timwald which will lead to a general debate about how tourism should proceed in years to come. We're going to hear from Mr Robert Shaw directly later in the programme. But first, his committee's been speaking to those at the forefront of the industry this week, alongside fellow Timwald members Jason Morehouse and Kerry Sharp. Mr Robert Shaw interviewed the leaders of the Department for Enterprise and also a consultant employed by government to investigate the current health of the sector. Andrew Keeling is from Hotel Solutions, a hotel development consultancy. He's produced a report called Isle of Man Accommodation Futures, compiling evidence over a number of years. He believes the Isle of Man needs to get ahead of the competition by investing in improved tourist accommodation. The island's rival destinations like Jersey and Guernsey have a greater luxury accommodation offering, he says, And he thinks government here should invest in eco-friendly tourism and capitalise on the biosphere status. Mr Keeling also believes the island needs more non-serviced accommodation. The Economic Policy Review Committee spoke to him in public for over an hour on Thursday morning. You can listen back to that hearing in full on the Timwald website's Listen Again service. That afternoon, it was the turn of his employers, effectively, the leaders of the Department for Enterprise, who were largely responsible for policy-making in that industry. Lawrence Skelly, MHK, is the department's minister. Mark Lewin is its chief executive. And they were joined by the chair of Visit Isle of Man, Ronald Caldwell, and Angela Byrne, who's the head of the agency. Let's listen in. I think we're all aware that, that uh, for, the, for the visitor s- sector, it's been an absolute agony, over the, particularly over the last summer, particularly for those actually on the promenade. And there are, there are clearly two tasks ahead. W- w- one is to get the sector through this winter and as, as, po- as far as possible fit and ready for next year. But there's a, a deeper one because the, the, the impact that COVID has had on the sector has been incredibly serious. Um, it, it, it's, it's damaged morale in a quite profound way and yet, and this is the conundrum, and yet the opportunities for the sector in the future are significant and therefore the, the uh, committee see its duty to do everything it possibly can to assist and support the revisioning of, of the sector so that there's a recognition that, that there is a future and that we know how to effectively achieve it. So today we'll be concerned more about the latter subject rather than the former about actually how we get through the winter. What I would say is a, 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 as, a, as a single comment is that it's terribly important that the proposals to offer support this winter become available to the sector as soon as is possible. Could we just have a couple of words on that, Minister? Yes, if, well, if I may, first and foremost, um, Karlak, uh, may I thank the uh, committee to have this opportunity to discuss uh, what uh, the department has always regarded as a very important sector for our island. And uh, you will uh, recall, I think, back uh, two years ago when we restructured the department, uh, we very purposefully uh, created the visit agency to have a specific um, uh, focus and uh, support and direction for the tourism sector of the Isle of Man and that is when we have over 24 different business sectors uh, here on the Isle of Man which is wonderful for our diversity and our stability and our resilience however the uh, tourism sector uh, has has always been regarded as uh, sometimes uh, measured wrongly by just its GDP Uh, it means so much more I think to our island our well-being our quality of life and uh, and I I think uh, we wanted to recognize that and that's why we created the visit agency to focus 
just on that. So in June uh, of that year, 2018, we created the agency model. Um, and actually in February of this year uh, they actually produced their strategy and their vision uh, going forward for this particular sector and the purpose of the agencies was to uh, have, have threefold um, to, to actually give policy input the promotion um, and also product development and driven by the sector itself not government and uh, the, the, the chairs will all recall my very first meeting when I said uh, they're not to be talking shops because there's been far too many of those and you've been part of those I think in the past Carla and uh, we wanted action and, uh, and I'll, I'll let the chair speak for himself in a moment because he will demonstrate how this agency in particular has uh, been taken to task and had a lot of uh, decisions and actions uh, since their formation back in June 2018 and what we have seen is steady growth positive curve growth for this sector these last few years and 2019 was a very positive uh, uh, growth there in as much as it, we're looking at 3% growth uh, year on year and that was building on previous growths uh, th throughout the, throughout uh, previous years and we were encouraged by that and we were also seeing business spend growing as well at the same time and being a lot more diversified in terms of our, our visitors so the, 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 the trajectory was positive and I've termed it as a renaissance in our industry and what we wanted to do is to capitalise that and, uh, and and on that basis there was the strategy launch and can be evidence that there was significant investment in the industry occurring uh, as well at the same time. So um, it's fair to say that uh, we were in a positive position come February, but of course COVID arrived and has uh, changed that. But prior to that, uh, which I'm delighted that you picked up and recognise is, uh, particularly on the promenade, which was experienced severe disruption due to the uh, the works that are ongoing there. And, uh, and on the back of that, we also had the collapse of Flybe just before COVID arrived. And that impacted over 70% of our hotel bed space that exists on the promenade. So um, we were very, very um, acutely aware that the impact on this industry was going to be felt first and quite likely be felt the longest at the, uh, in terms of uh, economic impact going forward. So um, we've introduced uh, the strategic capacity scheme right from the get-go and uh, we've issued now two payments of that and we are, um, in fact tomorrow in, in our department meeting, we will be reviewing the findings for the KPMG and the hotels uh, uh, solutions uh, report to determine what we do for what is now being termed as the third winter for this sector so uh, we're very conscious we've been trying to get as much data as we possibly can for this sector uh, so as we can provide appropriate support for what will be uh, they will not just be survival but fit for the future when we do come out of this thank you so um, just a couple of points um, have you any idea how soon you think government will be able to indicate to the sector what the support in the winter is going to be, which was actually the question, because you'll appreciate by now uh, accommodation providers are starting to lose their key staff uh, as they perceive the degree of uncertainty going forward and have rents to pay and families to look after and mortgages to deal with. And they can't hang around endlessly waiting for hope to emerge uh, and if the sector loses m many more of their senior staff we're not going to be able to open next year Indeed. so how long do you think i'll, I'll just for I'll let uh, the chair uh, respond there um we're working very closely with Treasury which is part of the economic recovery group and uh, we've already gained an extension with regards to the, the uh, salary support uh, in the first instance which is important uh, before we can actually determine what the strategic capacity three would actually look like so we're very keen to, uh, that we do actually put something on the table as quickly as possible so t tomorrow in our department meeting we will uh, actually discuss the findings, come up with a recommendation and be meeting with Treasury directly directly afterwards so we'll be following on from that very quickly. You're aware no doubt that the the impact that we are very much aware of has been disproportionately heavy for on promenade <coughs> and just off promenade properties in particular and I hope that that reflects somehow in how you decide you want to deal with the strategic capacity. I can really what uh, the Minister said in, in terms of the, the support schemes which were largely the 
strategic capacity scheme and the uh, salary support scheme. We launched SCS 1 and 2 uh, and they were very well received. That uh, We were one of the few um, governments, I suppose, that took uh, authoritative action right at the beginning of the pandemic and did something for the accommodation sector, which I think was very well received in the comments we got back. We didn't get it right and we had to include some and we had to opt up some of the rates, but it was a bold and reasonable step forward. I think where we got it wrong probably in the next SAS2 and SSS uh, versions were that we were working frantically and trying to get a solution but didn't engage as well as we could have or get the message out. So it was we were sort of in our ivory tower working away quite fiercely. So to try and make sure that we didn't come up against the wire again at the end of the period, we engaged with KPMG locally uh, and Hotel Solutions, who you had this morning, to, to give us an independent view of what they saw, mm. what support schemes had uh, been put in place, how effective they had been, and what were the recommendations that we should take forward. Mm. Uh, those recommendations and considerations are being discussed at the DFE department meeting tomorrow. We've made those recommendations. We have booked the uh, Willem Verena uh, or the uh, establishment to communicate that message and invitations will be going out to the sector for the end of September because we wish to deliver that message, yeah. good, bad or indifferent, uh, and this is uh, the support that will be available and in what form. So, um, and I think the most important thing for me was that both KPMG and Hotel Solutions engaged not only with the sector itself, uh, and understood the pain that they were going through and the consequences of, of not supporting. But more importantly, we have the political aspect as well, where about 40% of MHKs were actually consulted on the schemes that were being considered and uh, what we needed to get into consideration from a political mm -hmm. perspective to gain the support. So we, we might be up against a wire in communication, but hopefully a solution will be agreed and approved by the end of this month. Good. I, thank you very much for that. That's, that's helpful guidance. Um, the, the only comment I might make is that, that, that we all refer, perhaps incorrectly, to the third winter on the trot, but actually it's worse than a winter <laughs> by a country mile because the, the, a lot of the Christmas business has been lost on the promenade. It's migrated elsewhere. So just, just a thought for you. So thank you. That starts the ball rolling. Um, first of all, a compliment. I know. Don't be too shocked. <laughs> Um, in front of us we have two um, hotel solution reports which we've considered, the 2016 and the 2017, and uh, I congratulate you Minister on the, your choice of consultant. Don't be too surprised about being nice, you know. Um, <laughs> <Not> well. <laughs> here it comes, yeah. <laughs> so, um, they're, they're very, very good reports. Um, but one MHK a couple of days ago on their four or five year interview uh, on um, Manx Net TV, whatever it is, Paul Molson's show, when asked, it wasn't me, when asked uh, what they thought one of the problems was, is that, and he said, and I thought spot on, he said, governments, uh, our government produces reports and doesn't act on them. Now, the point is that in 2016 you had before you an extremely good report that articulated a whole range of areas. We want to look at some of these this afternoon, but we still haven't acted on them. And that really is the knob of this afternoon because we're not going to go out, you know, trying to reinvent the wheel. The committee is satisfied that these two documents that you commissioned are excellent. It's just that we haven't acted upon them and we see. We had before us this morning um, Andrew, who was effectively reiterating a great deal of what he said four years ago. What he did say, uh, if any of you heard it, listened in this morning, I don't know, he did. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you would have heard him say, you know, we're behind the curve, we need to get ahead of the curve, and effectively we're acting too slowly. And I think. The nub of it, the, the essence of this, is that we've got these excellent reports and, and we want to examine why we didn't get on with the job before now and why we're sort of even now struggling to, to, to move forward. So that's essentially what this afternoon's about. And we hope to report, I'm very open about this, we want to report as soon as we possibly can because 
we want the sector to know that Timwald, the political process, government is really, really interested in this subject and is determined to act. And the committee will not come forward in the first instance with recommendations because we end up with a bond fight over detail. What we want to do is get the story out that we believe is the case, get, a re get Timwald to reflect on that debate through the general debate, uh, Minister. Good. And then, if it's appropriate, then come forward at a, at a later date with um, recommendations. So we're likely to come forward with our, our debate, our general debate, no later than December, because the clock's ticking and, and we have to re-impart a sense of, of confidence in the future, because there's a future there to be had if we would just act and get on with the advice and knowledge that we've got. Uh, we'll also be looking at uh, very much how this delivery happens. Now, I want to pick you up, Minister, on one comment that you made during your opening remarks about it's not government, but it is. Um, I don't think Andrew at any stage said this is all about the private sector. If you, if you read his 2016 report and what he said to us this morning, he sees it uh, as, as a... a um, a symbiotic relationship between the private sector and government to work together, but it's government as a whole that has to work together. It, if you look at the key issues, there's how we finance these significant improvements that are necessary. It's how planning uh, actually works. It's how amenities are delivered in other ways through DOI and DEFA. And right now we're deeply concerned about, I think, Department for Enterprise mean well and want to respond, but actually because so many things sit outside in terms of delivery, outside of your particular department, you haven't got the capacity to actually create a cohesive uh, single government that, is, that says this is the vision, this is the strategy, these are the financial issues, these are the planning issues, these are the other things we've got to do. And Council of Ministers, having had that vision and strategy delivered through NSG, then get on with the job. And that's what we want to look at. So w one of the areas is, is, is planning. And, and it's clear from Andrew's reports that planning is holding us back. What are you doing about that? Um, well, planning uh, is always a uh, political football, shall we say, not just this uh, industry, this, this sector. Um, there, there is uh, some live planning applications in, in place. Um, I, uh, I can confirm uh, part of the Economic Recovery Group, of which we have a whole number of um, work streams of there, in, in there, is that uh, we have just agreed funding for additional resource in planning. So not specifically for this sector, but uh, there is a uh, significant backlog in planning that will help our construction industry as well as as other other sectors as well at the same time um, we do contribute uh, to planning where we're requested to uh, it's fair to say there are some planning applications already approved uh, for significant investment in this industry and uh, we are aware of others that uh, haven't been lodged uh, significant um, developments uh, that were uh, they would have been lodged by now if it weren't for if it weren't for COVID. So, in, in terms of what we're doing, is we've offered support uh, to planning applications, and uh, as as highlighted just now uh, with Treasury, we've now been able to grant additional resource support uh, yeah. financially to them to to help them progress some of these applications. I get that, but do you think that's enough? Um, well, I, I think. I, can I just interrupt? Uh, yeah, uh, go on. <coughs> Andrew, Andrew doesn't think it's enough because he makes it clear in his commentary that the concept that's already in place, uh, I don't know exactly the wording, but uh, I, I recall it as uh, overarching national importance issues. Do you not think that in the light of history of the last, I was going to say 10 or 15 years, actually it's 25 years, that we haven't embraced the issue of saying, look, we believe tourism is a key player in terms of the diversification and all the other issues that spin off it. Um, do you not think your department should be saying there are certain aspects um, of the importance we attach to new developments that we need to attach to uh, and the overarching national importance criteria rather than just, shall we say, quite... Um, reasonably just offering uh, support for a, diff a particular application. I mean, give you an example. 
when I came into politics, Lord Street was uh, just a car park. I mean, it had been for years and years. Um, and the first discussion I had in Timwald, uh, many years ago now, was, hang on, the scheme you're trying to bring for, for Lord Street won't work. And here we are now, I'm in my last year, 20, uh, 2020, 21, and we haven't made any progress. In fact, we've actually gone backwards now. We can't even have it a car th- as a car park. So, I mean, that's a glorious, um, you know, own goal that we haven't been able to develop uh, um, a scheme on the prom- uh, on Lord Street that is has a, a number of important elements to it, including tourism. We f- we failed for for a generation. So we must, sh- and we're messing about with detail, and we still haven't delivered. Uh, in terms of of Castletown Golf Links, probably one of the finest and most beautiful possible sites you can imagine for for an upmarket uh, hotel with golfing dynamic and yet there it is a a miserable relic because in planning terms we're arguing endlessly over detail minister it's about time we put our foot down surely and said no tourism in planning terms has overarching national importance will you do that i as i said have supported but I guess we, you, you pointed out uh, too there, if you look at Lord Street, that has completed a planning process. That has planning approval. Um, the, the issue around parking is contractual uh, matter between the, the owner and the, and, uh, the, the, rather the owner and Department of Infrastructure. But there's numerous developments that have happened over the number of uh, last few years. Uh, 20 million pounds, in excess of 20 million pounds has actually been invested in uh, a number of hotels and non-serviced accommodation uh, over these last few years and have gone through planning. So, um, the question really is, is planning a real problem here? And I think you'd need to look at the detail of what the backlog is. You've just mentioned a live case at the moment that's been ongoing for a couple of years. And, um, you know, we, we ha- you know it, it's in, in process with our colleagues in DEFA. And we would like nothing more for that to be determined uh, so as that we can uh, hopefully get on with it. But what we have done politically, and I think, you know, the last administration, we helped determine that that development will have tourism uh, as part of its uh, its remit, so that was determined politically in the last administration, of which you and I were part of. That I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. But just just to look at another example. <clears throat> there was a glamping site in Groudle last year. That was innovative, the sort of thing that Andrew spoke about this morning. Mm. But that hits a brick wall in planning. Was it just planning that was the stopper there, or were there other things that really got involved? I, I, well, the the uh, I, I don't know the um, the details. Yes, clearly planning was an issue. Uh, why it chose a, a green greenfield site for it? Uh, but I point to Glen Helen uh, that has been through a planning process. It's a high quality glamping uh, offer, which is what Andrew had stated in, in one of his reports that we needed something different, something in this particular space, and uh, that that has been approved. There is uh, now a another uh, planning application in process in. Uh, uh, in, in Ballafest and just outside in, in Port Erin. Uh, another glamping uh, prospect is one at South Barul that's uh, being muted as well. And there are others we know that are, are interested in that particular space. So uh, resource, I, I think uh, we have a pl- unless we want to overall the, the, the planning and uh, rule that anything goes with regards to uh, tourism, then I think that would be probably form part of the debate that uh, Carlec has just uh, mentioned there in the general debate and if, if they want to create that as part of a, uh, a national importance issue then we would have to make decisions over greenfield sites well i only raise it because the person you commissioned to advise you on planning says there's a problem and but you're telling me perhaps there isn't because you're trying to give me examples where things have gone right uh, and, 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 and then with respect minister the alternative is not all things let go it's it's devising, surely, a way of planning to work that's favourable to tourism, so the sort of thing that needs to happen, A, can happen, and B, can happen within a reasonable time scale. So I'm only, I'm only coming in to you on the back of your consultant. 
No, and, and it's a, it's a fair, fair, fair comment. Um, but I, I do think you've got to look at the overall aggregate um, of where, where we are with regards to planning. And again, you know, planning always gets uh, is a bit of a political football. But look at the percentages. I was chairman of planning for a year, and uh, if you look at other developments, on average, over ninety percent get approved. What we tend to hear about are the one, the ten percent that don't get approved. But usually, there's legitimate reasons for that. Um, and uh, and I would suggest that the the planning system is robust. However, government does have an opportunity to bring uh, council ministers does have an opportunity to bring in developments of national importance. But as you've highlighted, go back to Lord Street. Planning has been uh, has been approved. So the development is ready to go. It's a turnkey well, operation now. Yeah, well, you, you, you're moving into another area now, which is financial structures around uh, developments that have a variety of different components in them. And your consultant says that if we're going to achieve the necessary standard of, of accommodation provision that the market wants now and in the future, then the entry route currently for a developer isn't sufficiently uh, viable to give them an exit route and that actually in planning and in finance terms there have to be uh, there has to be uh, an arrangement around it to make it sufficiently attractive to happen so it isn't just a question in terms of Lord Street that the planning's there it's a question is the structure of the support right now thus far it's fallen down up to now four times and at what stage is government going to say hang on a second for example whilst Jersey has extended itself into the sea and built a first class uh, four star plus hotel we've sat arguing about an empty site that we can't even use as a car park now now surely that's time for us to say what the hell is it that we're not doing right not just simply saying planning is okay or uh, or, or we've, we've got planning permission so our job is done what, what I'm trying to, 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 to say to you is, is bring you back to your early comment that you're, from what you said you said to me it's, it's about when you introduced the concept of the visitor centre the visitor agency you were saying it, it's not government well it, it is government it's, it's an, and again your consultant says it's the relationship between government and the sector that's going to ensure success here and it's not just your department it's the other areas as well and we cannot see your, this committee cannot yet see that there's sufficient integrated cooperation between the departments e all equally recognising that certain things have to happen in order to allow them to happen. That's the essence of it. Mm. In other words, that's the sort of area we'll, we'll be bringing to the floor for discussion because it, it really surely needs to happen. You're not really saying that this that, that government's going to distance itself arm's length from from the future, the vision and the delivery, surely, of the sector. No, no, um, just, just to remind you, product development, promotion, and also policy input. So therefore, policy input that comes to the politicians for that uh, policy, final policy decision. And uh, what you're talking about is, does that need to go beyond that in terms of just a single department? And uh, there are decisions that can't be made by a single department. And that's where that sometimes the challenges uh, arise. So what are you going to do about it? Well. Where, where, where we see that there is a problem, then we will work, we will work together. But there is a problem. Your consultant says there's a problem. Well, uh, we'll have to wait to, to re read the full report. Uh, I've not read it at this stage. No, it's in this one. In the, in the it, two it, it, it states four years ago. This is like your end of term report, Minister. Four years ago, he told you what the problem was. It, it's because there are too many issues stretched across a number of departments that are are kept in isolation and therefore when a, a tourism initiative comes forward it might very well enjoy your support but die somewhere else. Now would you not agree that there needs to be a collaborative group that sit together across departmentally with the interest about the, the vision and delivery of the future strategy because your consultant says the Isle of Man's falling behind and we need not only to catch up but get ahead. So what is that thing that we're going to do that ensures that we get ahead 
I would put it to you, Minister, that it's about creating a collaborative cross-departmental group, all dedicated to the vision and the strategy, and that we could do that better than anybody else. Because if you listened, as Angela did this morning, to what Andrew said, he said, not many jurisdictions, councils, whatever, actually do this very well, and yet here we are on a small island with a, a government that is close enough to talk to each other down the corridor, and yet we still can't get our act together. Isn't that, would you not accept that's where our opportunity lies? Yes, and I think where, where you're leaning towards is a, um, a Timbald endorsed strategy, effectively, and a policy that, uh, that we would all support. So in, form, for in, in bringing yeah. forward a uh, general debate that prevent, uh, presents that opportunity, I think, to make that, that statement. We heard there from the leaders of the Department for Enterprise. They were speaking to Timwald's Economic Policy Review Committee, and if you want to listen back to that hearing in full, you can do so via the Listen Again service on the Timwald website. The day after, on Friday, I caught up with the committee's chair, Chris Robertshaw, MHK, to reflect on what he'd heard. Well, what we were actually doing was, uh, and are doing, I mean, just very quickly, the, the, the it's been an agony for the accommodation sector on the promenade uh, this year, obviously. Um, but uh, to some degree, it's also been soul-destroying. And the committee is interested in two aspects. One, how do we get the sector through the winter? But, but of great importance is the whole issue of how do we reintroduce a sense of hope and, and, and uh, confidence in the future thereafter. Uh, we've gone about our business by examining... Uh, and you've mentioned his name, Andrew Keeling's uh, Hotel Solutions Consultancy Report of 2016 and 2017, which the committee have found to be very, very good. So, Good, good in what way? Uh, professional, um, to the point, succinct, um, uh, and full of good, good advice. The committee is finding that um, the advice offered those years ago is not hasn't really been interrogated interpreted and delivered in other words as is the want of of government uh quite often it can produce very good reports and then collapses in a heap of of, of exhaustion and doesn't deliver on the action so um the committee is considering both uh, andrew keeling's uh exchange with the committee and the department's exchange and we're going to consolidate our thoughts into a report to Timwald in uh, November under the auspices of a general debate so that all members have the chance to really understand the ins on get under the skin of the accommodation the hospitality sector uh, and help them um, understand what it is that we should be doing which is your point here or Andrew's point about about modernization um, the fact of the matter is that uh, if we're going to uh, create a successful future for the hospitality sector, and there is no reason at all why it's beyond us to do so, there are opportunities emerging that we've got to pick up. However, uh, as Andrew said, and as you will have heard him say, um, our accommodation sector has fallen behind the constantly accelerating quality standards that are emerging uh, right around right round UK. And he spoke about competitors elsewhere, other islands yeah, around the British Isles. Doing which, better. Which we are directly competing with, let's be uh, honest. Absolutely. Uh, and our failure is that we haven't uh, understood what it is that we need to do. And, and Andrew spelled that out. And, and that was why our second session, a slightly longer session in the afternoon, uh, was was designed to examine what we thought government should do and, and there's an awful lot it should do that it's not doing. Um, it, it has grants and support schemes, which it says it's got, but uh, if you look at even Andrew um, Andrew's report, it says, well, actually, the, the sector don't pick it up because it's bureaucratic, complex and difficult. Um, uh, but it, it stretches far beyond that. It, it's It's what you might call fully integrated government, uh, there are about five departments that need to be involved in knowing what the tourism strategy is and delivering their part of it. And so this isn't just DFE. <clears throat> no, 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 no. It's it's uh, it's the bit. One of the big ones is planning. It's understanding what you've got to do in planning terms to land a major new facility. And 
so often we just end up bickering amongst ourselves in, in enormous, endless detail and lose sight of what it is that we're really doing. Let's look at two, two aspects of this. When I came into politics, the, f the first debate I recall getting involved in was saying how appalling the proposals were for Lord Street. And of course, that was 15 or 16 or even longer than that um, after we'd, we'd demolished what was there before, which was the bus station. And here we are now in 2020. Not only have we not got a development on Lord Street, but we can't even run it as a car park. I mean, you couldn't make that up, really. Uh, and then another example is the fact that there is the most beautiful site for a new hotel complex development with whatever add-ons it requires to make it viable down at Castledown Golf Links, and yet there it sits, rotting away. There's something wrong, and we need to address it, and it is that a number of departments need to sit beneath a tourism strategy that they all sign up to. And, of course we still function far too much in silos. So the attitude at the moment is, oh, well, tourism's something to do with the Department for Enterprise, and so it's Enterprise's job. Yes, it is, but it's also planning, it's also treasury, it's also DOI. Have I said DEFA? It's DEFA as well. They all need to know what they've got to do because they've all got to work collaboratively to deliver success, which other jurisdictions and other resort destinations are achieving. We are falling behind. We're going to have to do something pretty significant, not only catch up, as Andrew has said, but jump ahead. Uh, the obvious question, this comes at a cost, and should government be pumping money into this? The question you have to ask is what, what's the danger of not acting alongside our competitors? If our hospitality sector completely fails, an awful lot goes with it. And um, I think for, for, for Department for Enterprises' uh, uh, side and also the visitor uh, agency, which is emerging from the department, they are trying to uh, encourage people to understand what damage would occur there. Now, you, you talk about, is it worth it? Uh, the capital investment would reap rewards endlessly in the, in the lifetime of that capital investment. Um, and I'm happy to argue that till the cows come home with anybody who wants to discuss it with me. What are the, what are the uh, feelings of caution about that? Is it, is it difficult to measure the impact of that capital investment, maybe? Is that, is that why there's a no, they're, no, the problem, they're, 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 no, the no, the the problem is that that the we when we try to understand what the hospitality sector is, we tend to look back at what it was instead of what it's going to be, and and its future is going to be much more high quality, um, much more niche marketed in a whole whole range of ways, and that that requires com, you know really professional commitment, both in government again, as Andrew says, and in the private sector. And we lack that. Even our, even our current measures as to how successful or, or poorly we're doing are thoroughly inadequate. Uh, from, you know, as an ex-hotelier, it, it's the, the, the methodology we use to measure what's happening is, is frankly abysmal. Well, let's speak about that just very quickly, if we could, because you've got a vested interest in this topic for several reasons. That because of your involvement in this committee from a constituency point of view, and from your professional background as well. This is Absolutely. A, topic, well, um, a topic that's close to your heart in so many ways. Well, isn't then isn't it right that I step up to the plate and, and um, as it were, do my duty to make sure I contribute from, as you say, an absolute huge lifetime wealth of experience? Um, I don't want to sound too arrogant, but I do know what I'm talking about. And, and I look forward uh, with the rest of the committee to engaging in the debate in November. So tell us more about what comes next from this. Um, you've mentioned the plan for a, for a, a general debate. Uh, what, why why is it going to take that form? Well, the current well, the um, policy review uh, uh, and scrutiny work is is constantly evolving. It, uh, sort of ten years ago, almost now, the policy review committees came into being, and then I encouraged the Constitutional Legal and Justice Committee to come into being. Um, and then the, work, the way the policy review committees are evolving is that we're moving from just historical criticism of what's gone wrong into engaging in emerging policy and, and producing shorter reports which 
don't necessarily criticise, but bring another dimension to something, uh, identify areas that may not have been considered. And it, 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 it has the effect of modernising the way our parliamentary process works. Something, uh, another new uh, innovation very recently has been the introduction of a general debate, which doesn't require, in this case, uh, a committee to bring forward a series of recommendations which then everybody nitpicks and argues over but that creates a platform an opportunity of serious debate on the floor of Timwald that can allow uh, members to seriously engage in a subject so that everybody has the opportunity to understand the subject better now it is perfectly possible for that process then to encourage recommendations to emerge later in the light of understanding what is in the mind of Timwell members, but at the moment the problem is that if a, if a committee produces a report with specific recommendations, then it sits dead and cold with the Council of Ministers to two, for two months before it then comes back. And it may very well be that the Council of Ministers itself, with all its myriad of different responsibilities in the departments, perhaps doesn't give the time required to address it itself. So this way, by using general debates, it's an opportunity for everybody to exercise themselves on that subject and then move to a process of decision later. As a listener, though, the problem with a general debate, or maybe it's the blessing, I don't know, is that there's no real conclusion reached. There is a conclusion reached. This is the point I'm trying to make. The conclusion is a better understanding of what is in the mind of the membership, rather than second-guessing or or just coming forward from the position of, of the committee's view into decision-making process before having properly engaged membership. So, no, I, I, I think it's a, a very, very healthy way forward. We had one on the post office, if you remember, in July. And, and one on racism in and July. And racism, and they were, I hope you agree, that they were both excellent debates, and we all learnt something about each other's views quite uh, you know, significantly in some regards. So do you think that's a process that will happen more in the next administration, perhaps, d- or more moving forwards? I I do hope so, and and one of the one of the hopes and aspirations of the committee is that this process we're going through now with regard to hospitality sector and tourism will talk to speak to the next house um, <clears throat> to some significant degree, not just about the subject itself, but how actually we're not handling it properly and what it is that we have to do to handle it properly. I appreciate we're quite we're talking quite soon after. Um, the evidence given, but and, and, and therefore you won't have had full chance to speak to the rest of the committee about it and to reflect properly. But um, Mr. Keeling said a few quite direct things about the uh, tourism sector on the Isle of Man. Um, he said that UK and Irish tourists are keen to come here. Um, is mm. that is that something you you see evidence of still? Oh gosh, no. Well, not only do I <clears throat> do I uh, am I optimistic. Um, um, about the middle to long term, as long as we get our act together, but that there is growth, um, and I think it's self-evident to an awful lot of people who, particularly staycation uh, locals, who've all of us in that beautiful sunny period in in April and May when we did get out to, to walk, sometimes in complete privacy, to realise what a beautiful place this is, uh, and it has. Uh, an awful lot of opportunity in a number of uh, segments of the market but it this is a prerequisite it has to be of a, of a higher quality and also to achieve success we're going to have to achieve a, a, an eight-month season major challenges there do you agree that the isle of man lacks luxury facilities yes it does. Li- like we might see in some of the competitive uh, competing jurisdictions like the channel islands for example yeah. Absolutely. If you look at the report, you can see how stark that comparison is. And, and we've sort of drifted along trying to hang on to oil markets without fully understanding what investment levels we require to, to meet the new ones. Is it government's job to fund some of that? Government needs to be a full partner. It, the Funding is part of it, but also planning is a, a very, very important part. And it's uh, in terms of developing significant facilities at the moment, it's it's simply not in the right place. It, we, it seems to be a, a quite a, a common theme, this, that planning is constantly running behind the reality of the current circumstances. And uh, we sort of try to set things in aspic every so often and find that we're a decade out of 
tune with what we really need to do. And so there's a, a great deal of, of heart searching needs to go on as to how we can run our planning policy in, in a proper and responsible way, but also make it reactive and proactive to what we need to do to make sure our economy succeeds. Mr Keeling spoke a bit about non-service accommodation and about um, eco-friendly tourism options Absolutely. as being some ideas for uh, well for development, for future development. Mm. Um, can you talk to us about those? What are your feelings about... Well, he, he produced two reports and, and, and we, we looked at them both, both the, the, the non-service side uh, and the hotel side. But there's, there's a significant opportunity around the island for, for very um, quite fine... Uh, facilities along the lines you've discussed, but it does require flexibility on planning and a properly uh, structured financial package behind it for us to achieve it. Others are achieving it. I, I don't know whether you are aware. Maybe I should send you a copy of this of the uh, for, on the behalf of the committee on the presentation Andrew made to us in the first ten to fifteen minutes, and y- you'll see the quality we're talking about very high. We'd appreciate that. Um, I will. I'll send it to you. Um, would that? Would those developments take away from the more kind of traditional <coughs> tourism sectors, though, on the Isle of Man, um, such as the hotels on Douglas Promenade? No, no, it, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, it, it's not like it's not. I don't anticipate a significant growth in the in the accommodation sector. I see it shrinking somewhat, and we, we've seen in the news in the last few days a number are up for sale. What we have to ensure is that which is left is is has the opportunity to significantly reinvest. Because in the past, when especially hotels uh, have gone up for sale, they don't always stay as hotels. Well, no, they won't this time either. But um, it's it's perfectly true and accurate to say that a significant proportion of our the available hotel accommodation space remains are in Douglas and, and off the promenade, um, and that will remain so for some considerable time. You spoke a lot as well um, yesterday about businesses surviving winter, um, and uh, this is both big and small businesses on the Isle of Man. Um, is it still a real threat that we'll see some uh, some disappear over the next three, six months, do you feel? Well, my role in that of, of Claire Barber, my colleague on Douglas East, because, of course, it, as I already said, it's been an agony down there for both Business, small businesses and the accommodation providers and Claire and I have divided the, the duties up between the two of us I focused on the accommodation sector Claire on the, the small businesses and prior to the, the committee starting up to look at the future we fo- we've been focusing very hard in recent weeks on doing everything we can to ensure that the proposals coming forward but say for example on the salary support scheme and the strategic um, capacity scheme uh, remain in place for, for for the winter. If that isn't in place, then yes, there is a really, really serious problem in a whole myriad of ways. I mean, key staff are starting now to leak away because they've got families and they've got rents or mortgages, and and if there's no certainty of continued employment, then they're they're, they're leaching out elsewhere to other sectors. With the result that if we try to reopen next uh, spring or summer, um, the the key staff won't be there. It's it's a it's a ge- that's from a staffing point of view, um, not to mention the whole issue of businesses trying to survive. There has been the phrase, and I think I used it during the, 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 the meeting uh, yesterday, was that the idea is we're, we're in our third winter on the trot. It's actually much worse than a winter. Yeah. It, it's, it's worse. It's worse than the, 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 on the promenade. It's worse than the Second World War, actually. Uh, it's really dire. There has been a, 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 a marked difference in achieved business levels for the promenade and for out-of-town staycation and Guernsey visitors because, of course, you know, there has been no enthusiasm to actually stay on the promenade at all, and that's wholly understood and, and, and accepted. Uh, of course, the access to Christmas business for the promenade hotels has been diminished by the difficulty of accessing them, uh, and so that's been lost as well. So it's not the third winter on the trot. It's 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 the third worse than winter scenario on the trot and profoundly damaging. Um, how far have government support schemes 
been helpful to date? You mentioned you want to see some things continued over winter, or feel they must be continued over they winter. Must be. Yeah. Um, um, so there's there's a there's a pressure for this to to keep going. You feel? Well, government responded well uh, and uh, quickly, uh, and they're to be commended for that. And and I at this stage, uh, from what I understand, I believe that both the Department for Enterprise and Treasury are taking the pressures and difficulties being suffered on the promenade very seriously indeed. There have been a couple of very high-profile impacts to the sector in the past few months, not least COVID-19, but therefore uh, the subsequent loss of the TT, obviously, coupled with the works ongoing refurbishment works along Douglas Promenade. The outlook for some uh, is quite, well, it's quite bleak, isn't it, I think? The situation is bleak, which is why the, which is why the, you know, Claire, Claire and I have been working on these two components, trying to make sure that the, the support's there this winter and that people, everybody, not just the people in the sector, but the island understands what a, what a, a super opportunity we, we've got to, to have a high-quality uh, tourism sector emerge from all of this, but only if we do the right things. It, it's a pretty black-and-white thing. We either get on with the job and grip it in a professional way to compete with you know, our competitors, or, or we just sort of drift off. The, the, the TT is a different thing altogether. Um, I have to say that... Uh, but it's a perfect is, storm, isn't it? It is a different thing altogether, but it's 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 going to be coupled in the same accounts. And uh, Yes, it is, but there's a, there's a misunderstanding about what TT is, and I'm going to have to... It's, going to be, it's a difficult subject to, to, to grasp, but I'm going to have to deal with that. Uh, on behalf of the committee when we talk about this in, in Timor because the the hospitality sector with high-quality investment requires an eight-month season, so every single week in that eight months matters. You don't stand or fall on one, and I'll leave it at that. Um, I think just finally, my the only other thing I wanted to ask you about, how helpful has the Airbridge with Guernsey been to some of these businesses? Because that's been a, a bit of a, uh, a glimmer of light, perhaps. An interesting dynamic that came from nowhere uh, uh, and to be welcomed. And certainly it's helped, particularly for establishments outside of Douglas. um, And let's hope it continues for a little while yet. That was Chris Robertshaw, MHK, chair of the Timwald Economic Policy Review Committee, speaking to me on Friday. As I mentioned at the top of the programme, his committee has set out to gather evidence about how the tourism industry might look, or perhaps should look, in the future. It's looking to bring a report to the November sitting of Timwald, which will lead to a general debate about how tourism should look in years to come. Thanks for listening. Take care.